0: This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you? and i always ask that question earnestly how are you how is your mental health today you know when it comes to our physical health we we really are serious about it aren't we i mean good exercise eating well sleeping well we're very serious about it at least we are for our kids yeah do as i say not as i do eat your vegetables get outside it's bedtime you need your sleep now what about their mental health? Are we as careful? We are seeing anxiety rise in kids younger and younger. As a result, suicide is one of the top three leading causes of death in teens in North America. Let that sink in. My guest, child psychologist Dr. Kushavarya from Toronto. The topic growing pains, kids, and depression, right now on the Happy Molecule. This is something uh, that doesn't get talked a lot about when we talk about mental health because we think that children are resilient and they'll grow out of it. And as long as we keep them fed, everything's fine. Is it your experience you're seeing now anxiety in kids younger and younger?
1: Yes, definitely. We actually do know that when you even look at kids as young as sort of under the age of five, what we often think of as infant mental health, it's not an area I practice, but parents are noticing signs of anxiety um, or you know something's off from normal development at a very young age. Now, now, some of that is still normal. We do see a lot of variability, but we're starting to see it in kids in um, middle, um, I would say elementary school, middle school, definitely high school as we've always been seeing, um, but kids have a good mental health vocabulary already. They're learning about their own emotion right from grade one, grade two.
0: I think the first problem facing any parents and psychologists yeah. is that how do we know that this is anxiety and stress? And how do we differentiate that from normal growing pains, we'll call them?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's not, there's no simple answer, of course. But, no, I always remind parents that you know your child well. Um, you, you know what's normal for your child in terms of their sleep patterns, their eating patterns, even their social patterns. Um, and if you start to be concerned about changes in your child's usual patterns in any one of those areas, um, that feels a bit long lasting. Now, I'm not talking about years, I'm talking about maybe a couple of weeks maybe a couple of weeks where your child is kind of complaining about that stomach upset every morning before school. Mm, Look, it's not happening on Sundays and Saturdays, maybe Sunday evenings, but, you know, Saturday morning, they woke up, um, you know, happy, excited for the day. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're starting to feel they don't look like themselves, they're not acting like themselves. And so I encourage people to uh, parents do a lot of monitoring. Um, If you're starting to have some concerns, take a few days to just pay attention to what feels like your child's usual normal, and what's different. So we're often looking for changes in um, emotions, so what they're reporting, changes in behavior, um, changes in physical symptoms, um, as well as cognitive. So if a child is telling you they're having trouble concentrating or um, getting work done. So any of those four domains, those are the common ways we experience stress.
0: Wow, okay, I just had a eureka moment here. And um, I, I I don't mind sharing my personal experiences. And I don't do it to try and get, you know, some free therapy here or anything like that. I'm hoping that other people may recognize something that happened in my life. So I have depression and it just hit me when I was, I'm going to say grade three, grade four, maybe. I would just fake a stomach ache every morning. I would fake a stomach ache. It was the only thing I could think of. My stomach did not hurt. And I knew that. I knew that as a child, but I just knew I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to go out of the house. It got so bad that they put me in the hospital to try and figure it out. So I was in the hospital for two or three weeks. Wow. And they finally just sent me home, So there's nothing wrong with this kid. And then the next day, children's aid came, and they said, if you don't go to school, we're taking you away from your parents. <laughs> that, that's what they said at the time. Yes, I believe it. So I went back to school. And, you know, I would – I remember – being in the corner of a schoolyard, just sitting against a fence by myself, a lot of times just crying. What happened? What what was that?
1: And you know, again, we can't go back in time and diagnose yeah. or try to understand what was happening. But a couple of things really do stand out, right? So you had some physiological symptoms, that, as you said, clear as day. You knew they, you didn't really have a stomach. I knew it, yeah. um, but you knew, but you knew that reporting that traditionally gets you out of something. So you were, all, you were doing a smart thing. You're kind of engaging in an escape behavior, right? If I've got a stomachache, usually I don't have to go to school. Let's see how long you can do this. Something at school, I suspect, was threatening or worrisome to you or scary mm-hmm. um, or just hard to handle maybe just outside of your skill set in some ways um, and you know I think your parents and, and others around you do the right thing you investigate you yeah. know stomach aches physiological we think physical response uh, physical cause. You go do that, um, you know, go do that investigation. Docs say, mm, looks all clear to me. Um, and then unfortunately, it sounds like the thing that got you out of that was this threat of, you know, if you don't get to school, then you get you're, you're getting, you know, kicked out of this family, out of this home. Anyway. And that's not the right way to do it. But I understand why that might have It was
0: happened. the 70s. They Well, well <laughs> yeah, they didn't know
1: yeah they didn't know and so then you think about what else was going on in that schoolyard where you were probably feeling quite isolated um sad you may not remember about what and it doesn't really matter but that idea of feeling like you didn't seem like the regular happy-go-lucky kid who's excited about recess because that's the time you get to play and run around and you don't have to listen to the teacher and
0: another reason i bring this up now is is it possible that had that been recognized then and treated properly then again again it was the 70s so you know it was still it was we didn't really talk about mental health at all um yeah. do you think that that would have made a difference when I when I had my first indication of depression was in you know in, in 2006 do you do you do you think that that would have changed that had it been looked well, at you
1: know what I that is such a great question and and do I think it would have changed I I, I actually would say I really hope it would have you know, I'm in the business of trying to help kids, adolescents, their parents, and even adults um, learn how to live their lives without the impairment of depression or anxiety or whatever. Um, and so do I hope that as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, that you would have learned to be able to express what you were feeling in a different way, and then be able to use some healthy coping strategies to cope. Um, and that along the way, then you can continue to use those healthy coping strategies. So they 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 look different when you entered high school, but they probably you know be based on some of the same issues, which would be that I need to first notice what's going on. I need to be able to identify what I'm thinking, determine if there's any distortions or you know kind of mistakes in my thinking. Learn to challenge those thoughts potentially. Maybe you felt in grade three that nobody liked you, you didn't have any friends, um, and so you know hiding in the schoolyard crying made sense to kind of stay away from the. The kids in the school year, but maybe the reality was everybody did like you, and they didn't want to be your friend, and you didn't believe it, and so you didn't get to do that next step—the more healthy kind of coping with what you were feeling.
0: Seventy percent of mental health issues in adults start in childhood and adolescence.
1: I've been hearing that when I practice with adults anecdotally over and over again, you know, I'll I'll, I'll get a history, I'll say, you know, when do you think some of this anxiety or this depression or whatever you're feeling, this moment started? And to be honest, there are exceptions, but to be honest, almost all the time, somebody says, you know, I can remember this as young as, you know, my high school years, or sometimes they'll report, yeah, you know, I kind of remember middle school feeling this way. Um, Sometimes people do say that they did reach out for help, they got some support, but maybe, Maybe something that was very light at the time. Um, but I hear this from adults that are in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s. Um, often a long history and something that they can clearly feel was present in their adolescence or childhood.
0: Then we get into ADD, ADHD, you know, all the, all the, mm-hmm. the, the catch Ds. Uh, and, you know, maybe the child spirited, you know, the, the child spirited or just is, is a mm-hmm. behavior problem. Yeah. How how much of this? Well, you know, go on. So so yeah. respond to that.
1: Well, I think I think the first thing we have to realize is that there there really are some true underlying what I would call behavior problems. What I mean by behavior problems is we see them as behavior, but they're externalizing disorders. So that's like ADHD kids who have trouble following rules in classrooms. Um, externalizing meaning it's very obvious and everybody gets impec- impacted now an internalizing disorder would be something like anxiety, depression, almost this idea of turning inward in a way. And so you may, we actually may not even see that in some kids in a sense. So so this idea of like, is it behavior? Is it like them acting out? Um, Is it something else? It's not clear cut, it's not a blood test, it's not a checklist. It's multiple It needs to be. I know that you wish it would. Don't even make my job easy. There,
0: <laughs> there has to be an yeah. app for that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, what is my problem?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, a lot of what we do, is, as you can understand, and I would encourage anybody who's, who's wondering, you do need a thorough assessment. I mean, you wouldn't go to your family doctor and say, tell him or her one symptom, get your meds and run away, mm. right? But like your doctor's gonna ask you some questions. Um, it's the same idea well, with mental however, health. However, in
0: a lot of cases, though, we do. We just want that pill. You know what? It yeah. hurts here. Give me a pill for it yeah. instead of finding yeah. out why it's hurting there. Right. And yeah. so, yeah. do yeah. you think maybe we're drugging up kids in in some cases mm-hmm. um, without first of all saying, well, let's find out what's going on?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I do trust our, our health community. Um, including our physicians, including our psychiatrists, our nurse practitioners, all of them who um, do want to understand. And they speak to kids, they speak to parents. Often they're talking to teachers. And so I would never, I would never dismiss the need for medication, despite I'm a psychologist, I work in talk therapy, never dismiss the need for medication, but I would encourage all parents, um, just as I would encourage friends and family, we have to do things in an informed way, right? Mm -hmm. Informed consent, Mm -hmm. it's implied. You go to the dentist, dentist's technically getting permission before they pry open your mouth and pull out your tooth in a way. Um, And so we need to be able to do that. So as parents, we wanna be able to understand our kids, advocate for what they might need, including potentially therapy, including medication or some combination or changes in the classroom, um be able to advocate for that and uh you know get that kid on the road to recovery or
0: coping i always tell people you need to be your own mental health advocate and if we want to extend that now by extension you need to be your child's mental health advocate as well so yes get informed speak up if you don't like medication talk to your doctor talk to your pharmacist Mm -hmm. tell them why and maybe they can allay some fears
1: yeah, absolutely. And and we know right now that there are some really great sort of ways to support young people, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the school, community, one on one. you know, we've done such great research and understanding how to treat adults with mental health conditions. Um, and so much of it just sort of trickles down and applies to young people. It's just presented in a different way. It's just presented in a way that makes sense. Um, to a nine-year-old um, and a 19-year-old and a 29-year-old, but the underlying crux is often very similar.
0: Talking uh, right now with Dr. Kusha Maria, uh, she is the Senior Clinical Director at CBT Associates and is also the Clinical Director for MindBeacon.com, mm-hmm. which is one of the wonderful programs. There's many wonderful programs out there now, digital programs, digital therapy, and... Um, this is, I mean, something, of course, that that was really spurred ahead by by COVID. But you know what? I think allowing for digital therapy sort of solves that, well, I don't want to have to go out. I don't want to have to face someone face to face. So how is digital therapy working?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And so I agree with you. It is really about a convenience factor in some ways. Not all of us can find an hour or two hours in our day to to physically get to a clinic, for example. Um, And so we've got that convenience of accessibility. Um, We also think about accessibility can be different. So traditional hospital, doctor's office, nine to five, disrupt school days, you know, all sorts of interruptions. And so digital therapy, the way we deliver it, at least it's therapy assisted digital therapy, uh, specifically CBT means you can do it on your pace. Mm -hmm. You do it when it's right for you, if it's Sunday nights, if it's early Tuesday morning, it doesn't really matter. Um, the thing that I, always, I share with people, especially people who are in the field of mental health and say, at the end of the day, it is equivalent in so many ways in terms of the results we see with traditional therapy. Um, and there are some great programs. Our program at Mind Beacon, we're sort of about around the age of about 16 and up. Um, However, so for a parent, if you're struggling, that's a great place to go to figure out how to help your child, for example. Um, But there are also great places that I think are really trying to understand how do we support young people right now who can't get to a clinic. Maybe there's nothing nearby to them. And then there's a cost factor Mm. as well. Right. You can save a
0: lot. How old does someone have to be to sign up? Do you know?
1: Usually about age 16, I would say for Mind Beacon. But for other programs. There really isn't a lower yeah. limit. So if you're, you know, I see young people in my practice, my one-on-one practice, all virtual now um, through video conferencing. Um, as young as 10 years old, 11 when, years old. Moms and dads are part of that. And
0: when do they not need permission from moms and dads? I, I'm just wondering, you know, for some teenagers, yeah. be, because I'm, we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment. Yeah. One of the leading causes of death, and this is, this is oh. horrible. One of the leading causes of death for teens yeah. in North America is suicide. And we're gonna. I, I'm gonna just just put a pin in that for a moment. But yeah. for someone who might be struggling and doesn't feel their parents may understand, can can they sort of reach out themselves?
1: Yeah. So, and for many places, especially places that are youth centered and designed for designed for youth to walk in, we call these like WhatsApp clinics and walk in clinics. Even they have virtual versions of it. The way to understand it is there actually isn't an age of consent. I'm speaking, to, for example, for Ontario right yeah. now. There isn't an age of consent. If you think you understand what's going on, you can understand the pros and cons of doing something like therapy or an assessment. Um, you know, you automatically can can sign yourself up in a way. And that's that's a great thing. It is. That means that young people are not being um, they don't have this barrier of needing parents permission. Um, which we know is important if they can access yeah. help. Um, and so it does it can vary by certain areas, but for the most part, we assume that if you understand what you're looking for and you can ask the right questions and you can understand what the, the good and bad of it is, then you can do the therapy on your own. I'm,
0: I'm not for a moment encouraging kids to do stuff behind their parents' back or yeah. anything like that, but sometimes if if they feel they have no other recourse or, or, or choice, yeah. Yeah. let's talk about this stat about suicide a leading cause of death one of the leading causes of death what the hell is going on it's scary yeah.
1: it's really scary I, I i sort of you know not joke but think like of all the lists that canada can be in the top three of you know we look at the industrialized nations We're canada and other countries top three in terms of suicide rates for this age group um and it's scary stuff Um, And we know it's scary and we know we need to intervene. And and most people will say, how do we intervene? Well, we start early, we have um, support programs, we have better resources in the school systems or in communities when kids are not in schools. Um, We target uh, groups where we know they're at higher risk, males, males with mental health issues, um, uh, kids that are more isolated, rural areas, um, all sorts of factors we know can contribute to that, and so we have to approach this in what I would call like a multi-pronged approach. Mm. If we want to, if we want to get anywhere, we want to get off that list, right?
0: And and you know what? If there are any teens out there who are listening, I you know, yeah. having thoughts about suicide, I, I okay, it doesn't make you. Weird or crazy or anything like that. I mean having thoughts about suicide is something that that your mind is saying to you you need you need someone to reach out to and and there is an option you're not alone. You, it's sometimes I think just people think, oh, I'm the only one who thinks this way, so suicide is the way out, but I don't think anyone else thinks that way and I don't think there's any alternative.
1: That's exactly right. I think you, you hear that, you hear people feeling worried about what it would mean to share that. Well, if I tell somebody they're going to lock me up, that's not really the truth either. Um, you know, one of the things we encourage um, are, and this applies for all ages, and maybe it's even more important for our young people, is we do want people to talk about it. If you're having those thoughts and they're, they're there a lot, or they're there every day, or they're even just there once or twice, and you're scared about them, Um, Or even if you're not scared about them, if you're curious about them, talk to somebody, reach out. It could be a parent. It could be a distress line. It could be a friend. I am so impressed with how well other adolescents are there for each other
0: right now. They know how to be there. Let's get into the Me 3. This is a chance for all of my guests just to come up with three very simple things that you can at least say, all right, I am starting uh, towards better mental health. So your me three list, is it is deal with kids, is it with parents?
1: I was thinking about what could I, assuming I've got parent listeners, yes. what can a parent walk away with okay. today and say, I can do this. I can do this right now, and this is going to help my child. It's going to help you too, okay. but it's going to help my child.
0: Okay, number one, um, keep to a routine. Why?
1: why okay and so i'll be clear when i'm talking about a routine i'm not saying your whole day needs to be perfectly structured but some parts of your day where your child has some predictability they have some control they understand consequences it is a great thing for them to learn right it gives them control so children as young as four five six can set up their routines and you can do it with your child um and a routine i think a silly little routine in our house is you wake up in the morning, you run to the bathroom, typically. <laughs> um, you grab a glass of water, you grab your breakfast, you get your teeth brushed, and you get your day clothes, we call it day clothes, and then you're at the door. Um, these things, we need to do these things every Monday to Friday. Um, they mostly happen in that same order. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got school-age kids. And, but but the idea is if you know if I'm not well that day, or if I'm not available, or dad's busy, um, they know what to do, and they can get control. And they can also have consequences if things don't go right. So, hey, you don't have your bus, you don't have your bag packed, you might not have your lunch at school today. I would drop their lunch off. But that idea of, of I can have control in my life and when I have control in my life, I feel good about my accomplishments. Um, and so so that's our morning routine, but a routine could be something simple when you come home. The routine could be what you do before bed, bath routines kids' lives are made up of routines because it gives them um, predictability and that's even really though important. they
0: may complain about it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They need structure. Um, and the complaint is probably a sign that they're noticing it. <laughs> so that's a good sign. What routine? What? But if they're complaining about it, I say that means that they're understanding that the world kind of works in this way, right? We allow for flexibility. So, absolutely. I, but
0: it, does it also make a child feel safer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Safe and recognizing that my parent will be there for me or my teacher or my babysitter or my aunt or whomever are going to be there for me in this predictable way. And and young people of all ages, including adolescents, need um, to have that structure because it gives
0: safety, it supports their resiliency building. Okay, number two. Now, listen to the, listen to the explanation behind this. Uh, three rewards a day.
1: And so so I picked three kind of randomly, yeah. but I liked the me three. I figured yeah, three, that, you'll remember like three. That. Yeah, yeah. And and rewards. When I'm talking about rewards, I'm not talking about let's go to the store and buy you a doll. Um, I'm talking about as a parent, it is very, very easy to notice when things go wrong. That's mm-hmm. our job. It's our job is to watch out for threat and danger and keep our kids safe in that way. So that often, you know, we only have so much attention in our brain. I'm encouraging parents to think about things that are going right. Those positive moments, those um, it, pro-social experiences, the, the good things. So when you catch, your, like I catch my, my son and my daughter playing together well. I always notice when they're not playing together well. <laughs> but when I catch them notice, I catch them playing together well. You know, just to go over to my daughter and say, oh, you're doing such a good job of playing with your little brother. Thanks for that. Um, and maybe it's a pat on the back or a kiss on the forehead. Um, it could be a, a reward for Wow, you put your shoes away, that's great. I know it's part of the routine, they're supposed to do that. But catching it, reinforcing it, rewarding it, that is what supports the development of more good behavior. We could punish, punishing, eh, we argue it mostly works, it's not the right way to build new behavior. And so rewarding, rewarding, And, and stop thinking about rewards as being tangible, hugs, Verbal comments, you know, pats on the back, um, smiles, sharing that experience with somebody else. They all count as rewards. Yeah, we
0: know at work that when our boss says, hey, good job, you know, yeah. that's great. I mean, you'd love to have more money, but essentially, especially yeah. <laughs> when, when, when you know, you compliment in public, you 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 uh, criticize in private. So when yeah. other people are hearing, hey, Kev did a good job, you, you sort of have that feeling. So definitely a child would feel better with that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So if you can think as a parent, let me look for three unique examples every day, um, then you're going to feel good about that too. You're going to feel good when your kid smiles back at you, even if they make kind of a funny face like, what's that about? But you'll feel good that you noticed. They'll feel good that they received it. And ideally, we all win because we'll see more of that behavior over time.
0: Your number three uh, is is something a lot of my guests come up with is one of their, their me threes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it really does underline how important this is is and your number three for the me three is breathe
1: yeah yeah and and now let's think of it from a parent perspective i want you to breathe as a parent but i want you to teach that and do that with your child and we're talking of course we're talking about deep breathing relaxation breathing i i've been teaching quite a bit lately and i remind people that we're all going to have these stress responses in our bodies right now covid whatever is going on in our lives um, but your body is not very good at being stressed and relaxed at the same time So if you can practice activating that relaxation response in different times of your day, and breathing is one of the best ways to do that, um, again, we're all gonna be in a better place. And so, you know, I don't want you to go tell your, your child to breathe when they're in the middle of a tantrum. I want you to spend some time with your child practicing deep breathing. There's so many cute ways you can teach a little kid even to do this. I want you to practice this as a family whenever possible So, that you can cue each other when you need it. Okay. And you go, Mama, I think you need a breath
0: right now. Kids are very good at reminding us things, right? Like, I I remember, you know, whenever it came, say, fire prevention week, when I was on the air, I'd always say, Hey, kids, remind your parents to change the batteries and the smoke detectors. Hey, kids, remind your parents to wear the seatbelt in the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because so many groups and organizations told us that kids will instruct their parents. Sometimes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and now you said there's so many cute ways to, to breathe with oh. your kids. T- t- tell us one or two.
1: Yeah. One of my favorites has always been something called uh, cookie
0: breathing. Cookie breathing. Right?
1: So cookie breathing. And so again, this works well. This works for, well for any age. But all of us, if I ask you, Sophie, imagine what it's like when you're baking cookies in your house, your favorite cookies. Uh, ge- Think I'm about what you notice, I see where right? you're going yeah yeah and so you're standing you you know you're standing at the oven you're looking inside you could see them rise up you know you open that oven and you take that big breath of yummy chocolate chip cookies especially <sighs> baked. exactly yeah. look at what you just did kevin just took a deep breath in through his nose took like three seconds for yeah. you to get all that air in and then you slowly breathed it out so um so the cookie breathing one i really like with kids because you can be very um practical with it you could truly bake a tray of cookies at home you could make pretend cookies so many kids have little play ovens in their houses Um, so you get a child to imagine what it's like if you really want to get the best whiff of that cookie in you got to take a deep slow breath in through your nose (sighs) and we know that that diaphragmatic breathing that breathing where you truly are trying to extend your belly out is the right kind of breathing. Yeah. I I remind people, so the, the cookie breathing, deep breathing, and, and it's the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you're at the doctor's office and the doctor's ready to check your chest, and you go, So, <gasps> no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, right? That's not, none of that feels good. Do you know
0: what just hit me? If you teach your child this, that when when they feel stressed, when they feel that weight and they're doing that, it's almost like now you've got a sign that when you look to the side and you see your child deep breathing, it's like you, it's your chance to say, Hey, everything okay? I yeah, never no. thought about that.
1: No, that's great. And again, so you could do deep breathing. You could do other relaxation. Some kids like to do things more Physically, um, just as us, you know, I'm sitting at this desk all day long working. I need to take those mindful moments and stop and go. Okay, I need to open up, literally open up my chest so that I can breathe better. I can, you know, stretch out whatever's tight. Um, I might stand up and reach to the sky, reach to the floor. So kids know how to do that. They know they know sun salutations from you know gym class. Um, and so you might be a parent who's very uh, physical when you want to get rid of some of your stress. Kids could model that with you. You can practice it together. It goes great with breathing. Um, but again, you can think of multiple ways to get that stress out of your body.
0: You know, I just did a show recently with uh, Dr. Joe, Dr. Joe Luciani, um, and he talked about um, ha- habits, and especially mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, anxiety and depression. In fact, he's, he's written a book called Unlearning Hab- Bad Habits Ooh. of Anxiety and Depression, and he had told me that a lot of these habits are learned in our youth and don't necessarily need to be brought into our adulthood how do we teach good habits but also how do we recognize bad habits in our kids of mental health
1: yeah that's a really good good question so i think you know i'm always worried about um isolation and not talking about mental health and everybody has a different mental health vocabulary you know you what the vocabulary the mental health literacy, the comfort you have with talking about emotions as a parent is going to be presented to your child. So if you feel like that's not something you'd like to talk about, you're not used to it, then you learn it together. You learn how to have an emotion vocabulary that you could start practicing together. Whenever I'm working with a, children, a child or an adolescent, I always do talk to a parent about what I'm teaching their child. Because I want the parent to feel comfortable expressing the same thing. So if I'm, you know, if I'm trying to work with a young person to deal with, um, you know, different tips to deal with their anger, right? We all know that anger feels like it goes from zero to ten, <laughs> like yeah. that. Most part, it doesn't. It builds up it escalates, and we can see signs of anger in our bodies at a one and a two, out of ten, and a ten out of ten. But as a parent, if you're not comfortable talking to your child about anger and having them then report it to you, why would they? Why would they share that with you? So as a parent, I'd actually say, okay, well, why don't you start practicing? You know, when you find something that you're actually angry about, don't make it about your child. But maybe you had a tough day with your uh, boss today. Bring those examples to the dinner table. Talk about them. Say, you know, I had this point in my day today where I was feeling really angry. And you know how I knew I was angry? Because I was fuming at my <laughs> desk, and my hand was in my uh, ah. my head was in my hand, um, and I couldn't concentrate. Okay, so that was that was the signs. Well, what were you thinking, mommy? Well, I was thinking, um, I'm never going to get through this work. There's too much to do. My boss doesn't care about me. Well, what did you do next? Well, I actually walked away. I took a breath. I had a glass of water. Um, and then I start to realize, that doesn't make any sense. My boss really cares about me. Why would they give me this you know, assignment if I didn't? Um, and so you were able to show your child how you progress through. Just deal with normal, everyday feelings. We're just talking about regular feelings. And so as a child, if that was for the home you grew up in, where you talked about what you felt, you talked about what Mm. you did about it, doesn't mean it always gets solved. Um, Then you as a young person may be able to do more of that as you get older. Um, You may be able to reach out for help if you ever needed it. Um, And you probably also would just learn some good coping along the way.
0: But you can't go to a a five-year-old and a six-year-old and say, hey, tell me about your feelings right now. What, What are you feeling?
1: totally can you totally can How? there's so many great ways so many great ways to teach kids about there's lots of good stories there's apps they're just well they're just ways. gonna
0: say i'm okay that's yeah. it
1: well okay so that then i push a little bit so you're okay so why do you know you're okay hmm what's going on um so when you Like remember, kids know emotions, right? They know happy, they know sad, they know angry, they know even embarrassed and surprised. It starts to build that vocabulary. So I like to do things very visually. So I might show pictures, you might have times to practice. You're watching a TV show, you pause and say, what's Daniel the tiger doing right now? Why is his face look like that? You make a game of it in a way. And so you can teach kids to label emotions in others, practice labeling them in themselves. We just make it simple. I don't, need, I don't need them to give me a 1 to 10 scale of their anger right now. But are you a big anger or are you little anger? Um, I'll tell you which one I am. And it, sometimes it's quite cute when they're very young. It's very cute to see them sort of show you. And you can pretend. The trick is to do it not during those moments. It's to do it when you're all in a good mood.
0: Kush, I'm trying to coax you into saying something uh we've we've spoken several times before yeah. and you had such a great idea before and that's what i was trying so i'm just let me oh, let I me just it. give you a quick quick clue yeah. because I, yeah. I have told people what you said so many times and when you're trying yeah. to get a young child to explain their feelings and you equated it to the weather
1: absolutely tell, yeah you, and cause kids know
0: weather yeah. we do we know I love it's like, this a, so that, so you yeah. sit down with your kid and instead of saying how are you feeling or or tell me about your mood what do you do yeah.
1: What weather are you today? What weather are you right now? This. I'm a I'm a melting pot of, <laughs> <laughs> of sun right now, um, but or I'm a thunderstorm or I'm a calm day on the beach. And again, you're making it very tangible yeah. for your child, right? I mean, every kid will reply differently and they'll think of different things. But then you get what you actually get is the vocabulary for your family, right? That's what we I all love want. That. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you're, you know, you're about to do something and you suspect your child is getting anxious, you can see it probably on them, yeah. they're pulling away. That's the time to stop and say, okay, tell me what kind of weather are you right now? Okay, oh, do we need a few minutes to do some deep breathing before we go over there? Um, should we do some, uh, should we talk about it? Is there something else we need to do to get that, get, you know, get your weather from here to whatever other system we want yeah. at the time?
0: You can even sit down and, and say, hey, let's draw, let's draw our, our feelings right oh, now, anything yes, like that. Yeah. Drawing and toys right now with with younger kids
1: with with really young kids of course we have to engage them in a way for especially with families um, and parents are talking to them kids love to play play is actually really good for kids brains we know that we want them to play that creativity is an important part of the development and so again you can you can build in that social emotional vocabulary in their play if you if you really observe children playing You'll see it happening all the time. Their Lego pieces are fighting or working together. Their dolls are um, sleeping and relaxing when they need some time away from a stressor in a sense. So drawing toys, um, most kids, whatever they have access to, you can use it when you want to start to your kids about sort of managing our mental health.
0: Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit more about teens here, and I know that I'm going to get a collective yes from a lot of parents out there. You know what i never see them they're always in their room the door is (laughs) closed leave me alone uh they're just playing games or they're they're talking with their friends they come out grab their dinner go back to their room okay how do i know when that's a problem and how do i know that's when they just want their privacy
1: yeah and i think you have to figure out what the right balance is in your family right so parents are still allowed to set rules remember we talked about structure and routine rules are really important for kids too And that actually does apply when they're adolescent. So we think, yes, there is a natural loosening of rules in adolescence because we want kids to build their independence, right? Um, However, it's not like the day you turn 13 or 14, that's it, you're on your own, good luck. Um, So as a parent, you scaffold, right? You build supports and then you slowly remove them away. So if you set up some expectations in your home which, yeah okay look i'm going to give you your privacy privacy is important for teenagers um, but i'm also going to expect you to do these chores in the house i'm going to expect you to join us for dinner i'm going to expect your lot la- whatever laundry done whatever it is in your home um, that gives you opportunities for the observations you're looking for right mm. like are they still able to do the things i expect for them are they coming are they eating are they getting homework done are they um sleeping whatever the other normal things we want young people to be able to do i have i've have so much. Empathy and, you know, my heartbreak sometimes thinking about some of the stressors adolescents have to go through these days. And then you throw this pandemic on top of that. But even before that, um, things are tough for them at times, right? They have a lot of expectations, whether it's performance at school, whether it's part-time jobs, whether it's, um, you know, planning ahead for a future that they don't really understand in a way or know what it's going to look like. All
0: in the fishbowl of social media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which we know, again, would never dismiss the value of social media for young people, and even for all of us. Um, but remember, we had to learn how to use it and protect ourselves and feel resilient in the face of some of the hard things of social media, and young people do. They are learning that, but it's a process. We can't expect them to just get it. We have to teach them, we have to, we have to support them, we have to deal with the hard things that happen sometimes as a consequence. Um, so we don't want to protect our kids 100% from adversity, because then you can't build resilience. But we don't need to throw them into the into the woods just yet, in a way.
0: There's one thing that I'm noticing as well with our reaction to mental health is we 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 categorize people by their age. So it's infancy, childhood, uh, adolescence, teenage, uh, young adult, and yeah. but but we give specific numbers. So when you turn 18, you're no longer a kid. You're oh. an adult. And I know that, that in your time, you, you uh, spent time working at Sick Kids Hospital. One of the things that you did was you worked with kids in transition. So those are the kids yeah. that go from 18, and all of a sudden, the very next day, they're considered an adult. What kind of impact is this having on mental health treatment, and is there something we could do better, do you think?
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. Thank you for pointing that out. The, you know, This idea that there's this arbitrary change that happens where you're an adult in the, in the law. Now, for most young people, when they wake up the day that they're 18, nothing really has changed. They're still in high school. They still live with their mom and dad. They still have 10 bucks in their bank account, right? Um, but if you are a child or a young person with a chronic health issue, for a mental health issue, things do change quite substantially the day you turn 18 because the systems, the ministries, the funding um, can change quite very, even licensure can change, right? So if you're working with therapists, the next day they might say, oh, I'm not so sure I feel comfortable working with an adult. It's really scary in some ways. Um, so what can we do? What can we do in the communities? We can advocate for supports that are actually quite specific for young people. Um, we know that Um, A young adult, whatever age we want to say that's up to, is substantially different than an adult adult who might be really independent, um, you know, taking care of themselves, making all their life choices, having their own benefits. Even, for example, to use their, you know, see a psychologist, for example. So. So we, as family members, as, um, you know, community members in our governments, we can sort of support any development of treatments that are are appropriate for that age group. We already know, um, you know, I think it's about half of parents, and again, I'm thinking about Ontario specifically, about half of parents have had concerns about their children's levels of anxiety. Um, Parents, many parents have reached out for help. They've had doors closed on them where they can't get help. Wait lists are really long for many public services. And that's, that hasn't changed much. That's been pretty consistent for a few years, unfortunately.
0: What uh, impact does our depression, as adults, as parents, what impact does yeah. our depression have on our kids? I mean, we think, you know what? I'll just go to my room. I'll be on my own. I'm not gonna try yeah. and expose. I don't want my kids to see me do this, you know? It's sort of like mm-hmm. the, I don't, want, I don't want my kids seeing mommy and daddy argue, but I don't want, to see, I don't want my kid to see me in yeah. depression. So I'm just gonna go over here. Yeah. Are we fooling ourselves? Yeah. And does it ha-
1: Yeah. I would say, yeah, in some ways, and part of the reason is we—we—it's not—it's not a guarantee. If you're a parent with depression, that your child is going to be, you know, doomed to have depression or anxiety. We—we we recognize there is a heritability factor, there are some learned factors. So I don't want people to walk away feeling, well, that's it. My my child is rude or I should never have children because I've got depression. The reason I think people might be fooled is I'm thinking about that person who's got depression is and is not getting treatment or is not getting support. Um, and so, so can you live a life with an underlying depressive illness in your life? Of course you can. But you have to learn how to cope. And you have to learn how to kind of get through those hard days and have support, right? So if if it's one of those days where you can't be there for your kids to, whether it's make dinner or whatever, the goal is to make sure they've got a backup caregiver, right? Mm-hmm. They've got somebody who can support them. So, so I it's not okay to say, okay, well, I'm going to go hide out in my room. But it's also, you don't have to not hide out in your room if that's what you need to do that day as well. So so I think the, the evidence suggests to us that that parents with depression, that the difficulty or any kind of mental health issue is, is trying to fulfill your other roles, right? We yeah. see distress and we see impairment in the other jobs you need to do. So I would just remind somebody that's the time you need more help. That's the time you need a partner to step on. Yeah, off, so
0: whomever. you need to take care of yourself. You know, we, we keep going Absolutely. back to, to that, that uh, safety demonstration in the planes. You know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it, it on your one. child. So make sure that you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Now we know there are there are there's not just one cause of of depression and anxiety in in, in people, but one of the causes is genetic, is hereditary. Is it possible to break that cycle for our kids? You know, maybe we're the one in our family tree that just says, "Okay, we're going to break that cycle." Is it possible? And what do we do?
1: Absolutely. That's I, I, I you know, as a psychologist, I want to say yes. I want, I want to make people believe that that's absolutely true. Um, and probably what I'm thinking is the thing that's going to be able to break that cycle is some type of intervention. Like we can't change our genes, yeah. right? We really can't. I mean, maybe one day we will be able to, but but that's not going to be the solution. But the intervention would be the solution, right? It's recognizing that depression is this thing that happens to you. It's this change in your brain. It's this, and, and the only reason we really know somebody is depressed is from what we see from the outside. But there are factors, there are medications, there are treatments, there's you know, therapy that helps people change that. So that on the outside, there is no depression. And even on the inside, there isn't anymore. And so I would argue that you know we can break the cycle by ensuring our kids have the right tools um, to cope with life stressors and griefs and loss, um, that they have uh, resiliency built up, right? That's That comes through that reassurance, that routine, the regulation we provide as parents. Um, and that if they are struggling, that we intervene early. We don't need to wait till somebody's had weeks and weeks of depression that we sort of say, hey, we're catching this, we're, you know, things look different for you, your routine's a little different, you're more withdrawn, what's going on? Like, what can we do about that?
0: It's interesting, isn't it, that we are so, you know, we're so qu- quick to want the best for our children. And sometimes we don't do the best for ourselves. So maybe by, by, by watching out for our kids, by association, we might be able to help our own moods and depression Absolutely. as
1: well Absolutely. yeah yeah and i think it's okay to tell like you know we back to this idea of um your your mental health vocabulary it's okay to be honest i mean i actually encourage people to be honest do you um, mean it, is it what,
0: okay what, to, to say to my kid i have depression
1: yeah i think it is and i you know and it, again i would never push a parent to do that if they weren't ready for it it depends on the age yeah. of, of the young person but you think about that isolated young person who feels who thinks nobody feels this way Nobody else has those thoughts, those negative scary thoughts. And to hear that somebody you care and love and probably respect and value says, hold on a second. I have that. I've had that.
0: All right. So let's wrap everything up here and yeah. tell people what are some of the things I need to watch for to indicate. Now, it doesn't mean your, your kid has depression or anything like that. But what are oh, some no. of the, the signs that maybe I need to look a little bit further? What should we be watching for in yeah. our kids?
1: Yeah, so I I think it's okay to watch, right? To look out for Mm -hmm. things. So not being able to do the things they want to do, stuff that might be important to them, or enjoyable to them. If you see some behavioral changes in that way, that's usually could be a worrisome sign. But also, it's okay to ask. It's okay to practice asking and talking about mental health. So that when somebody does have a day where they go, you know, I've had a couple of days where I've been really stressed out that you can start to sort of explore it a little bit more. Most of our therapy does involve talking. um, And so we need to get somebody comfortable. It's not something they have to be comfortable with overnight, but if the place that they can do that is first in their homes with somebody they trust. And so maybe if it's not the parent, maybe it's grandma, maybe it's an aunt, maybe it's the neighbor, but a trusted adult, that's going to say, Hey, yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think something is going on and maybe, um it's time to get some more help mm-hmm. right
0: and this i think that that's the thing to watch and after. this is all that much more important that you need to go to the child uh teacher parent interviews so the the, the teacher parent interviews yeah. because yeah, you got to work true. as a community you got to work as a group to, ma- to make sure that yeah. you get the best and by not find going speaking to your teachers or your kids teachers yeah. it just doesn't uh, doesn't help
1: that's great that's great exactly right thinking how busy parents are where they might say well i only really see my kid for an hour or two hours here and there, and outside of the weekends or whatever it might be, and so you're right, getting other people's input such a great idea. Whether it's teachers or other people your kids spend time with.
0: MindBeacon.com. I encourage people to check that one out. There are other there are other programs as well. Uh, I happen to know this is a good one, uh, I, and I can, I can vouch for that. I've, I've spoken with uh, uh, Dr. Amaria several occasions and other people from Mind Beacon. So, so I, you know, I don't mind saying that that's a good place to start, at least okay. to start. You know, it may not be for you. I don't know. But you know what? what, what well, it takes you a quick little search and read about uh, what it's about. Well. Dr. Amaria, thank you so much. Uh, such great information.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: She had some great advice. You know, though, just in these first two episodes of The Happy Molecule, I personally am discovering small telltale signs of the roots of my very own depression. Incidents like we just uh, talked about, me faking sick. Things I never even thought important enough to tell any counselors or therapists or psychiatrists who treated me. With a growing mental health pandemic now more than ever, we need to watch out for our kids. So everyone, let's take a breath. (sighs) Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.
1: Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.blogspot.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode, be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Aaron Davis, wishing you good mental health.